Hi, this is Pastor Josh, and welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is a place where people can connect with Jesus and with each other. And if you're looking to get connected, you can find more information at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from a guest speaker. Amen. I did not know. Be seated. Thank you. Gifted communicator. I'm going to get business cards with that on it. Donald Savini, gifted communicator, a little dash that says Josh Adam, Harbor Church, okay? I love quote you. Man, this is great. I'll tell you, this is awesome. Harbor Church is just incredible. How about that worship team too, right? My goodness, praise the Lord for that worship team. I love it. And uh, I just, I hope you get a chance to talk to them afterwards. This is their farewell tour. They'll be joining Coastline Baptist Church. In a few short weeks, and uh, no, yeah, I wish, right? And by the way, I'm so glad that we're not in competition at all, because could you imagine me and Josh, like, arm wrestling? Like, I know it looks like I could handle it, but you just never know with those kind of things, you know? Uh, No, I just, I love it, and I'll tell you, the 930 crowd, that middle service crowd is the best, right? Come on, right? The middle crowd is the best. You're here, you didn't get up, you weren't crazy and got up super early, but then you also didn't sleep in too much and got here really late. You know, you guys right in the middle, you're like the, the real Christians, really, is what we're talking about here. So, no, I, by the way, I said the same thing to the 8 o'clock service, and I'll probably say the same thing to the 11 o'clock too. So, well, I'll tell you, it has been great. Thank you so much again. My name is Donald Savini. My wife, Marissa, is here for this service today, and uh, so glad that she got to be here. She, obviously, I said, don't come to all four of them, that would be miserable. You know, you got to hear me talk all day anyway. So she came to this service. Our kids are in the back. And uh, what a great setup you guys have here. And what a nice full crowd today, too. Praise the Lord for that, for this service. Uh, the picture of my family, is it here? I want to introduce you to the kids. And uh, my wife, Marissa, I mentioned, 11 years this May. 11 years this May. Very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah, she's put up with me for that long. Our oldest right here, Donald Jr., he's nine years old. He's fourth grade at Wixon School. And then Seth, our son Seth, is eight, turns nine in January. And he uh, was diagnosed with severe nonverbal autism um, back in 2016. He's the sweetest kid ever. Got a great head of hair, doesn't he? I'm telling you. We just finally cut it after a year because it was kind of in his face. He couldn't say anything. I called it his mane. He just looks awesome. Seth is so sweet. And then Charlie, Chuck, Charlie Paul, he's in kindergarten. He's just, he's a ball of energy. They call him the ladies' man at school. And uh, so he's just, he's, he's cute. We were in the, the kids' room, and they're like, what do you want to go, Charlie or Chuck? What do you want us to call? He goes, Charlie or Chuck is what he said, Charlie or Chuck. And then Brady, our male model right here, male model Brady, and he's the sweetest kid. This was at the end of family pictures, if you can't tell, with Brady's stoic look here, okay? And if you're wondering, if you are wondering, Donald, did you really name your youngest son after the greatest quarterback of all time? And like, uh, you really think I'm that shallow, first of all? And yes, I am that shallow, because I did. So that's the way it is. <laughs> so this is my family. This is my first ministry. I say that without regret. I say that without pause. This is my priority. If I lose uh, these guys, I lose my ministry anyway. And I'm thankful for what God has given me and my family and my boys and the privilege to raise these boys and the privilege to be uh, Marissa's husband, and just it's just awesome. So thank you for having us. Thank you for already taking care of us. Praise the Lord. Hey, fine. That's awesome. Um, we moved out here in the fall of 2019. We spent about a year and a half traveling the country, raising support all over the place. Yes, we drove the country in a minivan with four boys, and it was as bad as you think it is and probably worse. 
Um, but it was, we, God provided. That was awesome. And we made a lot of great new friends. And I remember meeting Josh. I remember my father-in-law and family talking about um, Harbor Church. And I've been like, they talk about it like they loved it. And it was just awesome. I'm like, I hope you don't love it too much because we're coming out soon. Like, you know, gee whiz. I'm going to get there and be like, you know, we're actually going to stay. We believe that the Lord wants us to Harbor. <laughs> I was just kind of nervous about that. And, uh, but no, they, they, uh, they were excited for us to come out here. We were looking for houses while we were traveling. We were looking on Zillow and online for rentals, you know, year-round leases or year-round rentals. And there just wasn't any. Every time we looked, we couldn't find anything. It was either way out of our price range or it was way far away, like in Ketua or whatever, you know. And we, we wanted to be in the Mid-Cape. My, my family lives in South Yarmouth. And so we, uh, we, we looking everywhere, couldn't find anything. Finally, we're getting down to like August of 2019. I had already told all my supporting churches, we're moving out to the Cape in the fall and starting the church, Lord willing, in October. And, and here we are in like end of August. And I'm like, I don't even know where we're going to be living right now. <laughs> like this is just, I'm going to live with my in-laws. And I love my in-laws. But I would, you know, to live with them, all four of my boys, that'd be a lot. I mean, they literally make jokes about your in-laws, like that you tell people. So I'm like, it probably wouldn't be the best fit all the time for all of our giant families. So I'm just like, Lord, what are we going to do? Am I, I going to have to travel up from Holyoke every week? You know, am I going to have to, you know, I didn't know. And we were just praying. God opened up a door that last weekend, a beautiful house, year-round rental, astounding price for, for the space in, right in West Yarmouth. And we were just thrilled. It's actually the place now where we are having services while we're waiting for our building to get ready. It's got a whole in-law apartment with a separate entrance and exit. It's been awesome. God provided it. So we went out to uh, North Carolina for a wedding, Labor Day weekend for a girl that was in our youth group. We drove back, my wife and I, got back to Holyoke, Labor Day night, loaded up the kitchen there in Holyoke, all the kitchen stuff in my van, drove out to the Cape, unloaded it in this empty, big empty house, went to bed at, at my in-law's house, and the kids went to their first day of school here on the Cape um, the next day, and then I drove back by myself, got a giant moving truck, and filled up three floors of junk after 11 years of having a family and put it all in the truck and I was just thrilled it was almost like you're like in a blur like this is exciting like how this all coming together so quickly so I get out here Thursday night go to sleep and I wake up and I'm like everybody's working in my family I didn't really know anybody out here my wife had a job interview and, and so it was just and the kids were in school it was just me and Brady and Charlie and and I'm like well I'm just gonna unload this truck I'm pumped up anyway it'll take me all day and it's gonna be great well, Josh texted me. He said, hey, man, you, you need anything today? I'm like, I just got here. Um, if you want to come over for like an hour or whatever, if you have time, I am unloading the truck, but don't feel like you have to. And do we have that picture, guys? I always, every time I look at this picture, man, I've done it three, twice already, but every time it just gets me. I never met Judd. I'd never met Josh's dad. He was actually in town like on vacation. And these guys showed up that morning. And it was nobody else. My family was all working. They couldn't get the time off like that. And these guys came and helped me unload every stinking thing in that giant U-Haul. That's like the biggest one they got. And it was filled to the brim. And they, and they helped me with everything. And not complaining, didn't think twice about it, spent several hours with me. And I'll tell you, I have never, ever, ever forgotten that. And each time I think of it, I'm just blessed. I'm just blessed. And we, they, moved, man, they moved the heavy stuff, too. Thank God they're so big, right? They're just stacked guys. Although me and Judd did move that piano by ourselves without you. I remember you like kind of backing off when the door got scanned. That was me and Judd, and we are. <laughs> the house came with the refrigerator, Josh. Don't even try it, okay? You know that. No, but these guys, they were a blessing. And you know what I saw that day? I'm like, that's the love of Christ. 
That's the love of Christ. At the end of it all, he gave me like a bunch of Visa gift cards. Said, I know moving into a new house, you may need cleaning supplies. And, just, and I was just blown away by the generosity of, of Josh, of his brothers, of this church. You've been a blessing to me. The chairs that you're going to buy for us, that is going to be such a blessing and take so much off our plate. We don't have to worry about it. We've got contractors in there working. A lot of money already being spent. So that's going to really help us. And now that I know you're paying for them, I'll probably just get like 10 lazy boys right across the front there. We'll just be a smaller church, you know. And, no, I'm just kidding. And uh, so thank you so much. It's been great to be here. And uh, I just love it so much. I want to jump in the message, Joe. i got to be done on time this morning because we got one more service. And we're in James chapter 1 in just a minute. James chapter 1. I don't know about you, but I came here at 730 this morning, and I'm starving. Like, I'm hungry. I'm the kind of guy that loves to eat. Uh, I'm so glad God led me to the Cape uh, because... A lot of people need the gospel because we could be a help our community. But I also love seafood. I just do. I really love seafood. I love all of it, man. Anything deep fried, put whatever you want in the deep fried, and I'm going to eat it, and it's good. I may, I may not look like it. I probably got like a hollow leg or something, but I love food. I love eating, and I'm looking forward to going to lunch with Josh on Tuesday. Wherever you take me, man, I'm going to love it. I know it because I love food. I love eating. Now, when we're talking about food, I was thinking about this getting this message prepared, most of us in our lives, we wish that life was like the Crystal Palace buffet at Disney World in Florida, Magic Kingdom. Anyone ever been to the Crystal Palace? It's awesome, isn't it, dude? It's like everything you could ever want. Everything, all the meats, all the foods, all the sides, cooked how you want it, whenever you want it, get as many plates as you want. It's amazing. They got the Winnie the Pooh characters walking around, which I think is pretty cool. I think it's awesome. And like, it's just, it's, it's perfect. And we wish that life, oftentimes, we wish that life was like that, like a nice buffet. Whatever we want in life, when we want it, how we want it, as many times as we want it, the entertainment that's there for us. It's already, at Disney, if you have the dining plan, it's already all paid for. You don't got to pay for it, you know, right there, then and there. And we wish life was like that. We walk through the buffet. Oh, here's a job with a boss that's not annoying. I'll take that. Yo, here's a car that never breaks down. That would be nice. Oh, that's good. Oh, here's kids that never make any bad choices. That looks good. A marriage with no fight. This is, and we kind of, we want life to go the way we want it. But unfortunately, life doesn't work that way, does it? When I was traveling the country on deputation, getting support, we would, we would, the, the pastors or people in the church would have us over for dinner. And when someone invites you over to the house for dinner, you don't get to pick what, they're, what you're going to eat that night. It's the opposite of a buffet. It's like, it could be my least favorite food of all time. I could be allergic to it. And I may not tell them because I was just a nice guy. And they'd be serving, and I got to eat whatever's put in front of me. You ever been to the, you go to your fridge in your house, and you're hungry, and you open it up, and like you haven't gone grocery shopping since like 2020, you know, or 2000, and you're just like, there's nothing in here but like old pickles and like bad half and half. Like, this is not good. And you shut the door, and you're like, God is faithful. <laughs> he works miracles. Maybe if I open this door, you know. And you open it, it's still the same old junk in there. You know it's not going to happen. That's honestly how life often is. We have an idea of how we want life to go, and it doesn't go that way. All of us have expectations for life. Whether you realize it or not, it is built into us. It is our, it's our natural instinct. We have an idea of how we want life to go, and it doesn't go that way. You know why? Because we live in a fallen world. We are, according to the word of God, broken people living in a fallen world. And every single one of us, every day of our lives, no matter who you are, we are all affected by the imperfections and fallenness of this broken world every day of our lives. I'm talking about trials this morning, church. 
trials, challenges, difficulties, problems, struggles, heartache, whatever you want to call it. Whether you're old or young, whether you're a kid or a teenager or a college age or middle age or senior, we all face trials. Yes, when we think of trials, we often think of the big bad ones, the doctor's appointments with the bad news or, or, or the loss of a family member. And yes, those are trials, but even, even for, for kids or for teenagers, we all face trials. I mean, I got word this past week that my, my fourth grader was getting a little bullied at school. I mean, that's tough for a dad to hear, but for my little, my little guy... That's a trial for him. That's a struggle. That kind of can bring fear and can, and can mess with your mind a little bit. We all have trials, and that word encompasses so much, doesn't it? Trials, challenges. I don't know what you're going through today, church. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know your stories at all, really. I don't, I, besides a handful of people in the room, I don't really know anybody here at all. And you don't really know me. But I do know one thing for sure is that we all have struggles. We all have trials. James, the book of James is a letter written from James to the early Christian church not long after Jesus resurrected and ascended, probably 10 years or so. And James wrote this letter to the, to the early church. They were being persecuted. Stephen had been martyred already. And now the churches were being scattered abroad because of persecution and because of, of all these things they were facing. And James kind of writes this letter to these Christians who are facing challenges and trials of persecution. He writes it to them kind of as a, as a leader who is concerned, who cares. And look what he says in verse 1. The book of James, uh, sorry, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad greeting. Look at this verse. My brethren, verse 2, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this that the trying of your faith worketh patience. What a request to ask. Be happy even when life stinks. <laughs> Don't get stressed out even when life is really stressful. Hey, have a joyful heart even when your heart is broken. How is that possible? How can I count it all joy when I fall into diverse temptation? How can I have joy and have true happiness even in the midst of really tough times? How is that possible? In church, it's one word. It's grace. It's one man. It's Jesus. That is how we can do that. Listen, church, you have to know this and believe this this morning. Listen to this statement. Trials are acts of grace. Trials are acts of grace. What you're facing, the tough times, are acts of grace. Maybe it's like Abraham as he brings his son up the mountain to sacrifice the promised son from God. That's a challenge. Think of what's going on in Abraham's mind. That's a lot to tie up your own son and raise the knife to sacrifice. That's a lot of stress. That's a trial. But God was testing the faith of Abraham. And sometimes our trials are just that. God trying to draw us closer to him through a testing of faith, through a trial. Maybe it's like David who was dealing with the consequences of his sin. He had sinned with Bathsheba. He had murdered Uriah. And suddenly now he's losing his baby boy. That's a trial. An effect of the consequences of his sin. Later on you see him in the cave running from his son who's trying to take the kingdom over. That's a trial. But God in grace, although those were trials and difficulties brought on by David's bad decisions and sinful choices, God in grace was drawing David back to himself and realizing that it was he needed to depend upon God. And sometimes our trials are just that. God whipping us back into shape out of love. Not like an angry dad that just slapped. No, out of love. Drawing us back to him. 
Both of those situations are God's way of drawing us closer to him. But church, here's the truth. We don't always see it that way. That doesn't make sense to us. Why do I have to go through this hard time? Why do I have to go through this trial? Why do I have to go through this difficulty? I don't like it. I want it gone. We don't see it as an act of grace. We miss the lesson. Trials are God's classroom. But unfortunately, not everybody pays attention in class, do they? I know I didn't. You can check my British literature scores from high school. I did not pay attention in class all the time. And listen, trials in our life, God is trying to do something in you. We look at it as an irritation, as, as, as a bad, terrible thing. I want it gone. And God is trying to teach us something. I have not let God teach me. I have, I have fought against that grace in my life. When I was growing up praying, my wife and I would pray as teenagers and youth group, Lord, we want your will for our lives. God, we want your plan for our lives. Whatever you want to do in our lives, please, we, 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 we trust you. I didn't know that part of God's will for my life would be raising a child with severe special needs. I didn't know that as a 16-year-old kid. I didn't know that, that we were going to start our church in October of 19 and five months later be shutting down. It's not like I woke up and was like, I want to start a church in the middle of a pandemic. That sounds like fun. No. No. But you know what? Unfortunately, church, there have been times in my life when I have doubted the goodness of God. I may not say that outright, I don't believe. But my actions, my heart, my complaints, worry about the future. You know, think of our church. Like, what if we don't grow? What if we don't, what if we can't pay rent? What, and I just get nervous complaining the present, like, man, what's going on? Why can't this change? I'm ready for this to be over. And you just go, listen, I've doubted the good, and trials can do that. Instead of finding joy in our trials, oftentimes, instead, I, 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 doubts are triggered in me. I begin to doubt myself. You can't handle this. You can't do this. this you're not going to be able to do this. I doubt God, like I just mentioned. God, what are you doing? What's your, this doesn't make sense to me. I don't like this. Why, why is this happening? Why can't life be a little bit easier? God, what's going on? And I doubt him. I get angry. Sometimes in our trials, you know what we do? We may try to uh, kind of... Uh, band-aid and, and cover it up and act like everything's fine but we're angry all the time we're lashing out at our wife and kids our spouse whoever's in the car in front of us at dunkin donuts and we're just always angry because we're facing a difficulty and instead of looking at it like an act of grace we're looking at it like an annoyance like this thing that's holding us back trials instead of finding joy in trials instead of letting a trial teach you we let it bring anger into us a lack of drive oftentimes we don't want to get out of bed in the morning why? why what, is it even worth it? These challenges that eat away at us, and they do. I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm not saying that the difficulty of a trial is, is, is just fake. No, I get it. But in those times when we're not looking at trials correctly, you know what happens? We invite the enemy in. Listen, God loves us so much, and the enemy hates you so much. And when God's trying to teach you something in a trial, the devil is whispering, you deserve this. This is your fault. You're a loser. You're a bum. You've got nothing to offer. You know what we do oftentimes? Instead of saying, that's not true. I am who he says I am. We say, hey, you're right, man. And we shake his hand. And there we are. In the depths of despair, when trials are supposed to draw us closer to God, oftentimes they drag us right into a pit. But church, when trials 
are viewed properly, when trials are viewed through the lens of grace, through the eyes of Jesus Christ, it will bring a deeper appreciation for the grace of God. We'll begin to understand, hey, this, is, this trial in my life is not there to destroy me. It's not there to hinder me. It's not there to, to mess up my life. No, God has allowed that trial into my life because he loves me, because he's trying to teach me, because he's trying to grow and mature me and use my life and the lives of other people. When you look at trials that way, you will appreciate the grace of God. You will have a more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ because you will cast off self-reliance. You will cast off delusions of self-righteousness. And you'll, you'll say, no, I, I'm, I'm nothing, but he is everything. In trials, that's what happens, church. When you look at them the right way, I, it's, it's like, man, it's not about me. It's Jesus alone, like we sang this morning. Self-reliance. Always leads to self-destruction, church. Who do we think we are? We're broken people in a fallen world. Why are we surprised that it's hard? But Jesus is enough. When we look at trials correctly through the, through the eyes of grace, through the eyes of Christ, we realize how much we need Him, and then we realize that He's really all that we need. He is all that we need. If you lose everything else in your life and you still got Jesus, you have enough to get up in the morning with peace and joy in your heart. I'm not saying, so I'm not talking about, so I'm talking about you can wake up with true peace because that's where true peace comes from. Jesus Christ. It doesn't come from a great job or a full bank account. True peace comes from Jesus. You realize how much you need him. I mentioned my son Steph. Get a picture of me and Steph up here, guys. Yeah. Steph, he turns nine in January. When we found out Steph had autism, it shook our world. We didn't know anything about it. This is back in 2016. He was diagnosed, and we knew nothing about it. And it shook us. We were confused. We were worried. I was in a high-pressure, high-expectation ministry situation that was, and I had my own personal struggles I was dealing with, and it was just a lot of stress. And that was just kind of piled on top, and we didn't know how to handle it. And honestly, at the beginning of all those first few months, we, we kind of did the cliche Christian thing and said, well, we're trusting the Lord. Hey, it's going to be all right. Hey, God knows what's happening. And we said all that, and there was part of us that meant that, but there was a, also a hidden part of us that was freaking out. We didn't know we got, we had three other boys, or, or two other boys at the time. Brady wasn't born yet, and we're just like, what does this mean? Like, now that you told us he has severe autism with high levels of symptoms and he's nonverbal, like, what does that mean for me, though? Because I... And we got him into a great therapy program. And we were there, uh, there was a, a weekend, it was right after he started, and, and someone was watching my other boys, and, and uh, they told, we were able to go together and pick up Seth. He was just five minutes up the road from our house. So my wife and I drove over there, and it was a kind of a storefront building, this therapy place, ABA therapy place, and had the classrooms that kind of wrapped around, and then in the back there was a kind of a little gym area, they called it, probably about this size, and they had a little trampoline and a swing, and and Seth would just, you know, they'd have the kids go back there and kind of get their energy out and, you know, spin. Seth would swing his arms a lot. And at the time, before, we didn't know what he was. We just thought he was hyper. You know, we thought he was having a good time. And he was hyper, and he still is hyper. And um, so we just, you know, we, we went back there, and we're getting ready to pick up Seth. And, and there's another young man here at this, at this place. There was kids all over the spectrum at this place, kids that, you know, were verbal and that, that were very, very, very intelligent and high schoolers and young kids and Kids with more um, struggles and even Seth and more symptoms, things like that. So it was all across the board. So we're there and we're getting ready to pick up Seth and there was these, an older kid there sitting on the ground in the gym, kind of hanging out, probably 12 years old. And um, he was just sitting there quietly and I didn't think much of it. And 
as Seth was coming our way, this, this young man jumped up and started to kind of jump towards us, kind of like Seth did. Seth was only three. And this, he, was t- he was taller than me, and he started to swing his arms around and, and like, just, just normal for him. And it, I was so shocked. I'd never seen that in, in a child that age. And it startled my wife and I. We kind of stepped back. We kind of felt bad. And they, they calmed him down. They said, Christian, we don't do that. Now, why don't you shake his hand? And he put his hand out to me. And I kind of held that limp hand. And in that moment, church, in that moment, it was like my life, like, flashed before my eyes, you know? Because at that point already, I'm like, hey, he's in therapy. A couple more months, he'll be talking. He'll be writing. And just, you know, I didn't know nothing, man. And then I see this kid, nine years older than Seth, doing the exact same thing, still. And to be honest, church, it freaked me out. I began to think about the future. I began to fear the future. And that trial that God was trying to use in my life to teach me and grow me, at that point, I was letting it drown me. I thought, if he, if he can't talk, if, he, if he's at it and he can't, still can't talk, how is he going to make friends? If he can't make friends, is he ever going to date? Is he going to get married? What if something happens to us? Who's going to take care of him? What, what if, you know, and I just, you, you go to a really dark place if you're not careful. And I got in the car with my wife. We got Seth in the car, and we're getting ready to drive home. And I, I, I was just, just all messed up. And I told Marissa, I'm like, I don't know if, I think, I don't know if you're thinking what I'm thinking, but, and she's like, I don't want to talk about it. We started that drive home, that five-minute drive home, and she starts crying, and I start crying, and we're just, no one's talking. Seth's in the back just hanging out. He don't know what's going on. He's, he's having a good old time. We got to the church. I walked inside to get something. We just were in fear. The trial had really overtaken us in that moment. And I thank God for my wife, because you know what she did in that moment when I was in the church? I don't know if she had her phone or if there was a Bible in the van, but she just needed something, you know? She just needed something from God because she was broken. People say that sometimes when you have a child with special needs, you almost mourn what you would have had, the plans that you had. She opened up her Bible to probably the first page it opened up to, and she got to Psalm 71 randomly, a psalm that I had never really, you don't really hear much about it. And this is what it said to her in this moment. It says, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust, let me never be put confusion. We were confused, church, big time at that moment. We didn't know what was going on. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. Be thou my strong habitation whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me for thou art my rock and my fortress. Verse 5 says, for thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. In verse 6, when she got to verse 6, she shared with me that God, it was like God just sat down in the van next to her. It says, by thee have I been holding up from the womb. And she said, you know, I began to realize that although I didn't understand it, although personally I didn't really like what was going on, it was very fearful, I realized that God, it was like God was saying to me, hey, listen, I know it's hard, I know it's going to be challenging, but, but I have known Seth since he was in the womb. I knew this was going to happen. I knew it all along, and I planned it, and it's okay, and you don't have to worry. It's going to be all right, because I am faithful. You can trust me. It's going to be all right. I know what's going on. I knew when you were in the womb, Donald, that you were going to be a dad of a kid with special needs, and I was going to give you the strength and grace to do it. And God began to just show us these things. In verse 7, it says, I am as a wonder unto many. 
Marissa, you know, I think about Seth, and we think about Seth's life now. He's almost nine, and how God has used Seth and his story to minister to other people. We've been able to sit with parents that just get the same diagnosis for their child, and they're fearful, and they're scared. And we can say, hey, listen, God knows it's going to be okay. Hey, there's programs out there. It's going to be all right. You can call us. We've been able to use our challenge that God has placed in our life to help somebody else. Church. God's grace doesn't always mean removing a trial. And oftentimes it doesn't mean that. God's grace doesn't mean just taking it out like we want him to. God's grace looks like more like him walking us through step by step. When we begin to fall, he catches us. That is what God's grace looks like in the midst of trials, church. It's, he, it's all right. Paul said, "Whatever, well, listen, wherever I'm at in Philippians, he said, wherever I'm at, whatever state I'm in, I'm going to be content. I'll be content. He was in prison writing that letter. I'll be content. Like, Paul, how can you say that? How can you be content no matter what's going on? Man, my life can be hard sometimes. Your life can be hard sometimes. How can I be content? And Paul's answer and Paul's heart and his mission and his goal is found in chapter 3 and verse 10. When Paul says, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Listen, church, I'm telling you, in trials, it's all about knowing Jesus. True, lasting, biblical contentment is not found in ideal circumstances, in a cushy life. No, real, lasting com uh, contentment is only found in knowing Jesus Christ. That's it, church. That's it. It's Jesus Christ. He said, listen, no matter what it is, no matter what you're facing, no matter what it is, he said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. Listen, it's not your strength. It's not your ability. Your talents aren't enough. Your abilities aren't enough. Your family history is not enough. No, his grace is enough. And he is enough for everything you'll face. For everything you'll face. You see David in the cave. We mentioned that earlier. David's in the cave and running for his life from his son, from stealing the kingdom away. And David says in Psalm 3, man, many there, many there are that are, that are increased that trouble me. Man, everybody's saying there's no help for him in God. He's got no hope. There's nothing. He's got nothing. But what does David say in the middle of his trial? Listen, by the way, dealing with the consequences of his sin while he's in the cave there. What does he say? But thou O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of mine head. I cried unto the Lord my voice. He heard me out of his holy hill. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. David's in the cave. He's unafraid. He got a great night's rest. How? Because everything was great? Because everything was comfortable? No! Because the Lord sustained him, church. You want rest in your life? Stop trying to figure it out. And rest and the grace of Jesus. And look at that, that cave that David hid in. And look forward to a greater cave. To a greater victory. Where the son of God was lying in a tomb. Dead for three days. And suddenly that light shone out. And he rose again. And that resurrection power that he had. That gave him life. Is the same power that you and I have in Jesus Christ. To face the fallenness of this broken world church. It's Jesus. It's always been Jesus. And it will always be Jesus. That is the answer. It's him alone, church. It's resting in him. It's relying on him. It's looking through the word and finding Jesus on every page. That's how, church. Listen, he'll turn your graves into gardens. He'll turn your seas into highways. You know that song. Listen, that's Jesus. That only he can do that. 
The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that he gives to us. Woo! Divine power for everything pertaining to life and godliness was given in Jesus Christ. Church, just imagine how God could use your life if you started looking at your problems the way he looks at them. And you know what? It's not going to be by you buckling up your belt and trying a bunch harder. No, it's about resting in him and him alone. Stop looking to yourself. Stop looking to your job. Stop looking to everything else but him. It's him. Lord, we love you this morning. God, we need you this morning. God, people here are hurting this morning. They're struggling this morning. God, they're broken this morning, and they need you, God. I ask you, please, would you help these people today, Lord, to dig deep, to cast off that self-reliance, to cast off those delusions of righteousness and realize that they are nothing without you. And when they recognize who they really are, Lord, they'll remember who you really are. You are what we need. Bless these precious folks, God. Bless this church. Help us in our, help these hurting hearts this morning, Lord. Help us not to try to ignore the reality of this fallen world, act like everything is okay. Lord, we know it's not, but we know that you are in control and you love us and you're enough for us. So God, I ask you, please, please, Lord, help us. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor Church as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and the world around us, you can visit harborchurch.com backslash give. Or you can text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.